fellow called Jacob and his story um, from the um, from the book of Genesis. It starts about uh, Genesis 25, I think it goes to about Genesis 32, 33, something like that. So there's a lot of detail in there, so I'll shorten the story. And if you notice that I've left parts out, it's it's probably quite deliberate, um, just to in order to not go over time. How long does Alan normally go for? <laughs> Till the message sinks in. Okay, all right, all right. I can assure you, I won't be as long as Alan. Let's pray before we begin. Father God, I thank you that you want to work in our lives. I thank you that looking at the scripture is not just an exercise of the mind, but Lord, that you want to take examples of others that have lived before us and and give us life lessons, Lord God, so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. And Lord, if we have made the same mistakes, we understand there's a way forward out of those mistakes and, and into the calling that's on each one of our lives, Lord God. I thank you that you have called each one of us individually, collectively as a church, but you've called us individually as well, God. And your plan for our life, uh, we don't want to thwart that. Instead, we want to cooperate with you and get and, and squeeze every drop out of this life that you've given us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A little bit of background for me, there's been some opportunities come my way in my lifetime, some of which I've let go and some of which I've taken. And uh, I certainly don't regret becoming a pastor, although I'm not sure if that's always what I'll be. It's, uh, it is kind of in my nature to uh, communicate and connect with others. So I think that's part of the calling that's, that's on my life. And uh, when I left high school, I I had um, always grown up to think that I was off to university after high school because that's what my parents did and I just assumed that's what would happen with me and so I went through the university's college's admission book and crossed out all the things that I hated. I was left with about three things, vet science and optometry and mechanical engineering and uh, I didn't get the mark for vet science so I ended up doing a university course and dropping out. It was mechanical engineering and... uh, I just didn't know how to get help when I needed it, so I dropped out. And so uh, God's taken me kind of a long way around to get to pastoring, but uh, I'm very pleased with some of the life experiences I've had on the way. You know, I've I've been offered work with a prosthetics company, which could have been quite successful. Uh, Later on, I was offered work as a, um, a, a piano tuner. And this guy that lived across the road from us was a Christian guy in the Baptist church and, and he left his business card in my letterbox and invited me over and when I went over to, to his place just to visit and say hi, he said, oh, here, can you polish this hinge for me, this brass hinge? And so I polished his hinge for him and, and after a while he, I, I discovered there was a bit, of a bit of a pattern that every time I went to visit this guy he was getting me to work for him. <laughs> And so he says, after a while, he said, I like your work. Can you come and work for me? And so he offered me some part-time work in the piano shop and I became a piano tuner. Around uh, this time, I was also working as um, the church secretary down at uh, Harbour Church in Coffs Harbour. And uh, the pastor there had, must have seen something on my life and, and uh, every time I said to him, I want to become a pastor, he said, what on earth would you want to do that for? <laughs> And uh, obviously he'd, he'd seen some of the pitfalls of pastoring, and, uh, but uh, nevertheless I've become a pastor regardless. And when uh, Donna Maxine Fry left Casino Church, um, 
about 10 years ago. They'd known us from Bible College and invited us to come and, and pastor the church there and take over as they retired. And so that's how we ended up at Casino and uh, a lot of other things along the way. The reason I knew it was God is because Megan said yes to the opportunity. And to every other opportunity to pastor or even assistant pastor, Megan had gone, no, I'm not going to do that. What do you think I'd do that for? And uh, this time she said yes. And so I really knew that God had spoken because he talked to my wife. (laughs) There's been other opportunities. We went to New York um, five years ago now and uh, my sister rang me and said, I'd love to see you. I haven't seen you for a couple of years. Can you come over to New York? And I said, sister, I don't have any money. And she said, that's okay, we'll pay for the tickets. I went, wow. I said, but I wouldn't come without my whole family. She said, we'll pay for the whole family's tickets, that's all right, because New Yorkers think in a different way to us. And, uh, and uh, I said, but sis, look, I don't even have pass- passport at the moment. And she said, we'll pay for the passports too, that'll be all right. So really there was a, uh, accommodation all already provided over there in New York and my sister invited us and that was one of the things that I don't regret doing was uh, travelling to New York and taking my family, to, the whole family to New York. Mum gave us some uh, um, passes to all the main attractions and uh, essentially that was just supplied for by God and we were broke at the time. Um, incredible opportunity. Uh, while we were over there, Megan wanted to see The Lion King, the musical on Broadway. She said, we're here in New York, we should go and watch a Broadway musical and The Lion King would be awesome. And I just couldn't see myself paying for it. And, uh, and uh, also, uh, it, it just we had a fairly tight schedule and I just couldn't see us getting to it. So I said, no, let's not do that. Or we'll, or we'll do it if it fits in and it didn't fit in. But uh, so five years later, we finally went to see a musical called Aladdin down in Sydney just last week. And so I finally kept a promise to my wife to take her to a musical. It took a while. Then uh, the year after that, my dad uh, had wanted to take his wife to Israel and she pulled out at the last minute. She was afraid of going to all the big airports and travelling internationally. And so uh, I got a chance to go to Israel. A great opportunity that God just laid out for me. And I was able to go and see the places where Jesus walked and, and, and where various people from the Bible were been. And you could say, yes, I can identify. This is exactly the place where, where such and such happened. And it was really good to, uh, to do that. Solomon's Temple, that's kind of, kind of thing like that. But there's been some opportunities that um, I've pushed for. When, when God's promised me something, but then I've pushed for it in the wrong way. And uh, about... Uh, Fifteen years ago now, this, this lady had a prophecy for my wife that we'd have a four-bedroom brick home. And at the time we were living, at the time we didn't have a house. Um, and we eventually bought a, a house um, through auction in Coffs Harbour. Uh, and that was again God's providence. But uh, we'd been promised by God this four-bedroom brick house, which is a, kind of an odd promise you'd think for God to make to someone through prophecy. And uh, so the time came and, and we were living in... Uh, the ex-pastor's house in Casino, we'd bought their house off them, and a fibro house. And this house that we'd looked at when we first came to town had come up for sale. And bingo, bango, we went, let's get it. It's finally come back in, into our price range. We can finally afford this house. So we went to uh, rent it off them. We were going to rent out our house and, and rent this house off them. And they said, no, it's not for rent anymore. It's only for sale. So we had to uh, work out how we are going to buy it. And 
And instead of selling, stupidly, instead of selling the house that we were in and then buying the new house, we rented out our house. And we didn't do it God's way. I'll, I'll say that to you now. I, I took an opportunity that I believe God had promised, but I went about it doing it my way. And uh, it's caused us all kinds of strife. We're only just now selling the house after the last lot of tenants didn't treat it very well. And so we can make mistakes in life, and it's okay because God will oftentimes give us a second chance at things and give us a second way around. Better get into the real message, hey? So we're going to look at a fellow called Jacob. Now, everyone, does everyone recognise the name from Genesis? How, how many of us know about Jacob's life, yeah? Okay. So, probably preaching to the choir today, hey? So we're going to have opportunity, I've called this opportunities, a look at Jacob's life. Do I need to do that again? Airplay. Thanks, Luke. Press play. I'll let Luke do it. Okay. Great. So we're going to have a look at Jacob's life. And uh, Jacob, um, Jacob's name actually means usurper because when he was being born with his twin brother, he actually reached in and grabbed his ankle. And, uh, and so right in, in Jacob's very nature was uh, he was an opportunist at heart, okay? He was someone that wanted, he saw an opportunity and he'd take it. So we're going to have a look at four, four different lessons that I learned from Joseph's life. And there's obviously a lot more in there if you read the whole story. But uh, the first one is that God is interested in your whole family. It's a photo of my wife and three kids. God's in, interested in the generations. Now remember that uh, uh, 1,920 years before Jesus was born, there was Abraham. And Abraham was was uh, called by God to be a father of many nations. And in fact, at one stage there, God said, Abraham, get out, out of your tent, look at the stars in the sky, and I'll promise you, as many stars as you can see, that's how many children and children's children you'll have. That's how many descendants you'll have. So there's this huge promise to Abraham, but God just wasn't interested just in Abraham. He was interested in Abraham's children as well. And even promised that uh, his children's children would be blessed and right through to the line of Jesus as well, the bloodline to Jesus. So generations, making opportunity for our kids through prayer and practical means. So Abraham had a son called Isaac. Let's have a look at that. Found this in a really old book. So we've got, Ab- he started off with his name as Abram, his name changed to Abraham and then we can see that he had two children, Isaac and Ishmael. And Ishmael was uh, Abraham's way of making God's promise come true. He thought because his wife was so old, his wife was 75 years old, you imagine having a baby at 75 years old, not a good thought, not a pleasant thought. But uh, that's when the promise came and and the promise actually came 25 years after that. And so very old 
to be having a baby. But Sarah said, I'll give you my maidservant, you can have a child with her. And back in the day, that was culturally acceptable to give your maid uh, to your husband uh, in order to have a child. And then if the child was given to you, then that was your child. And that, that was how the culture worked back then. And uh, there's another little lesson there. Just because it's socially acceptable doesn't mean it's good for you. Yeah? All right. And so then we came to, to Isaac. And Isaac had um, two sons, Esau and, Esau and Jacob, and they were born at the same time. They were twins. But Esau was born first, and so he got the birthright. Uh, and back in the day, the birthright was a very important thing because it meant you got first dibs on the farm, you know, first dibs on, on the blessing of God over your life to prevail. And, uh, but uh, God had spoken to Isaac's wife, Rachel. And there's a whole other story there too, isn't there? Uh, sorry, no, Rebecca. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead, sorry. So we've got Isaac who had Esau and Jacob. And those two, two boys, one, Esau was a wild, wild fella. He'd go out and work the paddocks and go hunting. And Jacob was kind of a mama's boy, if you like. Uh, although when I get to heaven, I hope he doesn't give me a hard time about calling him a mama's boy. Uh, but uh, he lived in tents and, and uh, he used his brain to, to make money rather than to, work, to go out and work um, hard. He, he was a, an opportunist. He was an entre- today's version of an entrepreneur, if you like, I guess. That was the mentality that, that Jacob had. And we can see, of course, that Jacob's name later got tr- changed to Israel. And out of, out of Israel, out of, out of this guy Jacob, he had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel who are the population, essentially, of Israel today, of the Jewish people in Israel today. Actually, the Jewish come out of um, uh, Israel's son Judah, which means praise. But anyway, way too much information. So God's interested in the generations. We've got Abraham, then his his son Isaac, who was blessed. He was an ancestor of the Edomites. Abram, through Ishmael, was the, um, the father of the Arab race as well. And I don't know if you understand about how Arabs and Jews fight, but that uh, essentially came out of that sibling rivalry between Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac's the father of all the Jews. Ishmael's the father of all the Arabs. It's not a good time to be calling. Sorry, I can't take a message right now. <laughs> Why they would call a pastor Jude Church? Who knows? Like, it's a, actually it's a buyer for the house. I recognise the name. That could be good, couldn't it? Should have taken the call. All right. And so, because Abram tried to answer God's promise by having a child with his with his wife's maidservant, he's actually created a problem for the whole world. Wow. And interesting, when Isaac first called Abram, he, he, he called him the father of a nation. And then when he comes back to him later on, he calls him the father of many nations. Interesting, isn't it, the way that these whole things unfold? Then we've got Isaac, who had Rachel. Isaac and Rebecca, sorry. Isaac and Rebecca. And then they've had Esau and Jacob and these two boys fighting. So Jacob's making this pot of lentil stew one day. He's cooking up some nice uh, stuff for his mum and dad. And Esau comes back from hunting and he says, man, I'm hungry. 
give me something to eat. I have some of that red stew of yours. And so Jacob, sensing an opportunity arising, says, well, how about you give me your birthright? And anybody else would go, forget it. My birthright's worth a million dollars to me. I'm not going to do it. But uh, Esau was that hungry. He just said, oh, just give us the stew. And it turned out to be a lentil stew. A bit of bread and a lentil stew, and he sold his birthright. And so Jacob said, Make, tell me you give me your birthright, and I'll give you some food. He said, oh, look, I'm so hungry. I'm exhausted. Just give me the food, will you, already? And so he loses his birthright. Later on then, he, uh, he tricks his brother into giving away the blessing of his father as well. But we can see that God had his hand on this guy, Jacob. Even though you could call him a rat bag, even though you could call him a nasty person, God wanted to do something through his life. And, and you know, if you've got a, a child that's a bit of a wayward one, someone that's really strong and, and wants to just keep pushing against the walls, maybe they're like a Jacob. Maybe they're going to need that strength later on in their life to lead somebody to do something great. And uh, So don't give up on your kids, even if they're going in the wrong direction, because... You know, God gives strength to individuals, but then he can, if we work with God and we wrestle with God, he can tailor that strength and take that opportunity. So if we see what happened out of Israel, we've got the 12, 12 sons of Israel, or Jacob. And uh, because Jacob had, um, had cheated his brother out of his birthright, his brother Esau hated him, and there was this kind of war going on between them for 20 years. Uh, and during this time, uh, Jacob is told by his dad, go off and get a, a wife of your own kind of people. And so he goes off to the, the land, the far land, and he bumps into Rachel at the well, and uh, he's just smitten with this girl. He says, I've got to marry this girl. She's family. Um, she, she fits all the requirements. She's awesomely beautiful. And, uh, and so he really goes out of his way to... to um, to win the, the heart and the hand of, uh, of the lovely Rachel. However, the dad tricks him. The dad's name's Laban and he tricks Jacob out of marrying Rachel because there's an older sister called Leah and it says that she, in the Bible that she has delicate eyes. So I don't know if that means she's got a lazy eye or something. I don't know. Uh, but she wasn't who Jacob wanted. But So Laban said, how about you work seven years for me and I'll give you my daughter. And so when the time came, uh, they had the feast and then the dad brought in the wrong daughter, the one that he didn't ask for. He, he brought in Leah instead of Rachel. He was after Rachel, but he got Leah instead. And so the next morning he wakes up next to this person that he didn't think he was laying with because he's come in at night time and brought her into him. And, and so this same guy, Jacob, who cheated his brother, is now being cheated himself. And, and I don't know where this idea of karma comes from, but I, t- I can tell you what, God had a rule before that, which was whatever you sow, you will reap. If you plant corn, you're going to get corn. If you plant weeds, you're going to get weeds. And so he was simply reaping what he had sown, but even out of that, God used that to start to re- refine his character and to give him a chance to, to, um, to make good on some of the decisions he'd made already. Okay, so, so then we find out that out of these 12 kids, the first four of them are, are from Leah and because Rachel was barren. So, so uh, Jacob worked another seven years to, to, um, to have 
Rachel as well as Leah. So he, um, the, the father said, okay, well, look, we'll give, we'll give Leah a week with you first and then, then you can have Rachel and then you can work for me for another seven years. So he ends up working for this guy for 14 years for his two daughters. Pretty tough stuff, isn't it? And, uh, and then on top of that, you know, the guy's unfair with him. He changes his wages ten times, strikes deals with him and doesn't keep his promises and so forth. But uh, those first four children are, came from Leah and then Rachel was um, barren, so she gave her maidservant so that she could have a child to think. So the maidservant's first two children went to Rachel. And, uh, and then, then there was this jealousy between the two wives. One, you know, one of them was having all the children and one wasn't. And uh, it created this real mess because in the end, Leah, who'd given the first four children, was ended up barren for a while. So she gave her maidservant and had another two children with him. And so eventually we end up with the last two, Joseph and then uh, Benjamin. And they were Rachel's children. The last two born were Rachel's kids because God finally heard Rachel's prayer to have children. And so talk about blended family, right? So we, essentially we've got uh, four ladies that, that Jacob's all had children to. And how messed up is that? But how common is that in everyday society that we live in today? So if you think that somebody's going to be disqualified because they've got a blended family, think again. Look at our patriarchs. Like now... now if I haven't said it yet, I think Jacob's an awesome man because he wrestled with God and, and had his character changed and became one of the most famous characters in Bible history. Uh, in fact, God's um, made promises to, to Jacob just like he made to his grandfather Abraham. In you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Out of your 12 sons, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And, it, and if we look at the Jewish people today, the Jewish people are way ahead in terms of uh, entrepreneurial skills and research and science and engineering and all different things. And, the, and literally that promise has come true that the nation of Israel is blessed and is a blessing to the rest of the world. Albert Einstein was a Jew. Hey. So let's move on. So we need to take God's promise, but we need to do it God's way. And if we look there at Esau's birthright being st- stolen from him, Esau's blessing being stolen from him and then being cheated by Laban. But then uh, God, God said to, um, after God's promise to Jacob, uh, he had a dream one night when he was travelling that the, there was a, like a ladder going up into heaven and angels ascending and descending and that was when God had promised all these things to Jacob. And so he knew he was blessed. But they had to take some out working for that. And he still had to make amends with his brother who, who hated his guts. His brother didn't even want to talk to him. In fact, his brother wanted to kill him. So, Jacob, God made you a certain way, but you must make this way a strength, not a weakness. So Jacob's gone from being an opportunist to being a reconciler and a wrestler of blessings. This scene depicts when Jacob finally realises that he wants to to reconcile with his brother. And so he sends out whole teams of gifts out ahead of him so that by the time uh, Jacob gets to Esau, he's already received like three different major uh, life gifts, you know, cattle and servants and oxen and, 
and goats and all kinds of gifts and precious metals. And he sent out these three teams ahead of him to reconcile with his brother. And the, and the brother, by the time he actually met up with, with uh, Jacob, reconciled with him and got it all together. So God made us a certain way, but we must make this way a strength, not a weakness. God might have um, given you a lot of testosterone, for instance. You've got to use it for, for good and not for evil, hey. Um, God might have made you a very strong-willed person, but you've got, to, you've got to use that not to fight with people and not to create arguments, but you've got to use that to be a leader. Yeah? So we've got to take these... All the strengths that are in our lives could be taken as a weakness if you use them the wrong way. You might be really good with um, facts and figures. And so the temptation for someone that's really good just intellectually is to just kind of bury themselves in the books and never make contact with another human being. Um, but instead, you know, to channel that into science and research, to channel that into um, leading others and, and skillfully and carefully. Um, and so Jacob finally comes to, uh, we come to Genesis 32, and I might read from this. When the opportunity comes to make it right with God, go all in. And this is what Jacob did. I'll read it through my screen that I cracked this morning. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And Jacob saw them and said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanam. This is Genesis 32. Then Jacob sent messages before him to Esau, his brother, the country of Edom, and commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my brother Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there till now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. I have sent them to tell you, my Lord, that I might find favour in your sight. And messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We found Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid. And distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and came into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks that company, then the others who, will, who are left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord said to me, return to your country and your family and I will deal well with you. I'm not the worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff. Now we have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother. For I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. So he's reminding God that God was going to look after him. Saying, God, just remember what you promised me. Very important to hang on to those promises. He lodged there and the same night took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and rams, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Are you getting the picture here? Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants and drove by himself and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. He commanded the first one when, when Esau, my brother, meets you. So I'll skip ahead to where it says, uh, verse 20, it says, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. And the present went before him, but he himself lodges in the camp. 
And this is that same night as he's yet to meet his brother. He rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he says, why do you ask my name? And the fellow blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So he's wrestling either with God or with an angel. Um, I, I haven't delved into the theological aspects of that. But essentially, he's, he's recognised this, this man is not just a man, but it's a God encounter. And he's wrestled with this angel and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not. He's recognised what's going on here. And, and there's been famous people in the past, people that have, have risen to great heights in terms of achieving things for God. Um, I can imagine um, there was a fellow called Keith Green, which I don't know if you know about from the 80s, and uh, he's, he describes nights where he just wrestled with God and just said, God, I'm not going to go to sleep until we sort this thing out and allowed a permanent change to come in his life. Um, each one of us might struggle with just things that keep offsetting us and keeps um, distracting us from the real call of God that's on our life. And we've got to deal with those things. We've got to keep not attacking ourselves when we fail, but keep coming back to that and say, God, I will not stop until this thing's sorted. And continue on in that fashion because God promises us success if we will stick with him. Our weaknesses are meant to be our strengths. And we can turn any weaknesses, any character flaw we can, in our life, we can turn that into something that's going to be really useful to other people around us. So when the opportunity comes to make it right with God, go all in. There's various um, people that have healing ministries that, that have said to God, uh, imagine Smith Wigglesworth, the, the first time he rose somebody from the dead, he took the body and he held it up against the wall by the collar and said, in Jesus' name, come to life. And nothing happened. And the second time he did it again, nothing happened. But the third time, this person came to life. You know, so this. There's a sense in which if we want to get stuck in with God and, and have some true grit about us and do something with our life, we can. We can. We're, we're up to it. Each one of us has got greatness inside. Each one of us is just needing to take those God opportunities and say, hey, I recognise this is a God opportunity. I'm not going to try and do it my way. I'm going to ask God's help with how to wisely go into this and how to manage it, how to, how to go into it, how to approach it. But uh, God will make a way. So whether um, you've recognised that you've missed opportunities with your children, you can still continue to pray for them. You can still continue to, to bring opportunity for their life, even if they're adults. Uh, I, my grandmother's prayed for me every day she lived. That was awesome to know that someone was praying for me even when I was doing the wrong thing. You know, That's, that's pretty cool. So don't underestimate the power of your prayers for your children, your grandchildren. What about taking God's promises and, and applying 
God's solution. So not just doing it out of what you can work out in your mind. Oh, this is maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. But actually asking God, what do you, how do you want me to go about this? How do I approach it? And about turning flaws into strengths. Hey, let's pray this morning. I, I wanted to encourage you, if you have been struggling with an opportunity that, that's facing you or you don't feel like there's been opportunities lately, um, I really would love to pray with you. Uh, and maybe even just bring a word of prophecy over your life if you haven't got a promise that you're hanging on to for your life. Uh, I think today's a good day to ask God for that. And uh, we're going to break up for a cup of tea and so forth, um, and, but I'll also open up for prayer as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, from Jacob's life, Lord. We, we don't have to finish how we started. We recognise that you want to take uh, our very nature and, and allow us to wrestle with that nature until we come up with a God solution for what that nature is intended for, Lord God. Whether we're strong in our mind or whether we're strong in our, um, in our body or whether we're strong in our will, Father, we want to, to submit that to you, God, for your purposes in this world, that we can live big lives, Lord God, that we can make a difference to the people around us, that we can uh, introduce others to knowing a saviour, Jesus Christ, who, as uh, Peter said, Lord, died for us, that we, that we could have a way to have a home with God when we die. Thank you, God, that you live in us, that you want to work with us every single day. Thank you that you want to turn those opportunities, Lord God, into moments of change for us, Lord God. Father, we, we choose we're going to take those opportunities as they arise. Father, and we choose that we're going to do them your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so if you'd like some prayer this morning, just like me to agree with you in prayer for something, uh, let's do that. Also, I wanted to know that uh, next weekend, November 5th and 6th, uh, the Saturday night, there's a, a healing meeting over at um, Casino. There's a visiting speaker called Mark Hemans. Uh, if you wanted to look him up on the internet, uh, type in Encounter Ministries. And uh, he's seen uh, miraculous healings of cancer and so forth. And so we've invited him to town next weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and oh, you'll be here Sunday morning, but Sunday night over in Casino at the North Coast Community Church right next to the Olympic Pool in Casino. Okay. Thanks, everyone. God bless you all. Have a cup of tea and get to know each other a bit more.